everybody you are listening to suds buds presents pints and pixar the podcast where we chat about the films of our childhood over an adult beverage or two uh and this week we're talking monsters university finishing up the series for now you know there's a good chance this is the prequel to monsters inc that came out almost over 10 years after monsters inc but there's a good chance that now 10 years later we could get a film that takes place after mm. Monsters, Inc., but is made after Monsters, U. You know what I'm saying? You know yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know how I'd feel about it. Like, I don't know what the premise would be. Like, but maybe it could, like it could happen. Like, people are like, yeah, humans getting into the monster world, maybe. I don't know. It's been and being talked about, and Pixar is yet to say no. So, okay. just putting that out there. Okay, okay. But, uh, welcome back, everybody. Um... I'm your host of the show, Eric Anderson, and with me as always, co-host of the show, Mr. Nate Alpadel. That was bad, but I'll get I'll get better. There it is. How you been, dude? <laughs> I've been good. Uh, ready to ready to knock this one out. Um, this might be kind of a quicker episode here. Um, Monsters use a weird one. It is a weird one. Is something about this movie that it's not that it's not a Pixar movie. It just it feels like uh, a movie that was on the cusp of going straight to DVD. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I guess I could kind of see that. Maybe... <sighs> like, it just... it For some reason, doesn't have the same charm. Maybe it's like a Netflix exclusive or something, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it was a fine movie. I enjoyed it. Um, it just... I don't know. It, it, was, it felt off pretty much the whole time to me. I think it's kind of got the Toy Story 3 and 4 thing going on where it introduces a lot of new characters, a lot of cool new voices. Um, but yeah, you know, is it worth it or is it all just uh, a lot of polish? Stay tuned to find out. Yeah, Actually, we don't have an answer to that. Yeah. If that's the answer you're looking for, you don't have to stay tuned. We ask that you do, but you know, you don't have to. Yeah, this is a... Uh, it's a weird one. I like it, but I think maybe... The thing that makes it so weird is that there's characters that are familiar because they were introduced to us in the first Monsters, Inc., but they're very different in this one. Like, mm-hmm. I would argue maybe Mike Wazowski is, like, the only really pretty consistent character other than real kid Mike Wazowski because, like, as we'll, we'll get into, um, Sully's very different. Very different. Yep. Like, all the, the redeeming qualities we talked about him last week kind of being like, you know, he's like that 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 high school quarterback, but, like, he's... Big, lovable goof. But he's not a douche. Yep. You know? And I think in in college, or Monsters you maybe wasn't the nicest guy all the time. So, Nate, what do you say we crack a, a beer real quick here, and then you take it away with the, the plot of Monsters you Hell yeah. All right, so keeping in theme with monsters, we are drinking uh, Trollway 
and it says an obstruction on the trollway, which is a citrus India pale ale. Uh, brewed by the fine folks over at Insight Brewing, yeah. or rather crafted by the fine folks over at Insight Brewing. And uh, if beer's got literature on it, we try to read it. So uh, here it says, you know, the, the whole thing with Insight is, you know, beers with a, a theme from around the world, kind of a little story behind it. Yeah, that's like the whole balloon or the hot air balloon kind of logo that they have. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, here we have an obstruction on the trollway. Riddling trestle, Hjartbro, uh, Denmark. His prodigious schnoz had detected the ale's tropical peachy grapefruity bouquet from far beneath the bridge. And with the lumbering grunt, he heaved himself over the railing to block my path. Having previously survived the notoriously aggressive quiz mastery of his ilk, I steered myself for the riddles three. Dot, dot, dot. It's all in quotes. <laughs> Product of the USA. <laughs> the legend lumbers onward at insightbrewing.com. So if you're into cryptic monster shit. And I mean, who's not? Which I am. Yep. Go on down to Insight. They're located off of Hennepin. Uh, yeah. Pretty close where Larpenter turns into Hennepin. Just uh, Hennepin, just uh, a, a couple blocks uh, west of, of 280. So go check yeah. them out. Good guys. Um, this one, yeah, this one's one of their flagships. Um, I remember like when I first kind of got into craft beer, um, this one was around. Uh, also, my favorite one from them was Hell Chicken. Um, Actually, they just brought that back, which I was pretty excited about. Nice. Yep. Um, but this one's been around for a very long time. Is Hell Chicken the one with Yuzu? Yep. Okay. Yep. And is that a, a pale ale? Yep. What's Sunken City? Sunken City is... I want to say there's something to do with wine in that one, but I don't remember exactly what Oops. it is. My bad. I think it's got uh, maybe like Pinot Noir or something like that. It could be. But, uh, yeah, so Trollway today, um, I'll get us started off here on a little brief summary recap. Real quick here, uh, oh. Sunken City is a farmhouse ale saison. Oh. So, uh. I don't know why I got wine from it. Maybe in the descriptor somewhere. I don't know. But, anyway. Or I'm just making shit up. There's no way to know for certain. Um, but anyway, yeah, Monsters U um, open up with a, a field trip with a bunch of young monsters going to the Scare Factory. Uh, we're introduced to Mike Wazowski, who is a unpopular child um, that always kind of sees the brighter side of things. Like he's always trying to be as friendly as he can, um, getting constantly ignored, constantly bullied. Um, but yeah, they make their way into the factory. Um, Mike, or as the shortest or the runtiest monster, has a hard time seeing the scares going through to the floor um, and ends up sneaking through the crowd and sneaking into a door that uh, they're actively using to scare a kid to capture some of that essence of Scream. Uh, scream over <laughs> 
Never mind. Cream of scream. You know, cream of mushroom. Cream of chicken. Cream of scream. I don't feel good about it. Whatever. Uh-huh. Whatever. Leave me uh-huh. alone. Go, go Le- on. <laughs> leave me alone. Um, but yeah, Mike ends up, child Mike ends up sneaking into there. Um, and after he finally, or they get out, um, there's all the, everybody's worried about him, like scared. He seems fine. The scare that he snuck in behind uh, gives him the hat that he was wearing, uh, which is a Monsters University hat. Um, and tells him that he could be a good, great scarer someday. And that kind of sets the tone for the whole movie. Yeah, he's inspired in that moment. Exactly. Inspired to go to college to become a scarer. So, yeah. um, so then we kind of cut to, or fast forward to, uh, yeah, his college, or he applies to get into college. There's like a whole montage, but mm-hmm. applies to get into college, gets accepted to Monsters U. Um, and then we're on the bus, gets to the campus, um, kind of a big moment for him, gets checked in. Uh, they do this whole fun bit where all the monsters during orientation are roughly the same monster, which if you've ever been to college, like some of those orientation things can feel pretty uh, cut and dry, like, yeah, half-assed maybe. Half-assed, yeah. I think, would be the word I would use. Um and then we meet Mike's roommate, who is, you know, knowing this is a prequel, you're like, oh, it's going to be silly. And in fact, it's Randall. 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 Who's a nice guy. Exactly. He's a nice, nice little lizard, uh, wears glasses. And Mike, being kind of the know-it-all he is, um, tells Randall that he should ditch the glasses because it makes him scarier. And Randall does that. And in order to see, then he squints, which is kind of fun because... He always squinted in the first movie, so now you know why he's squinting. Yep. Because because the guy needs glasses. Yep. Yeah. Pretty good. All makes sense. Yep. Um. So then, um, Mike's studying in his room, and a weird little pig monster comes through the window. Yeah. And right behind him is none other than the James P. Sullivan or Sully. Um. Kind of trashes the room trying to catch the pig. Um. Ends up this whole little chase scene where they're getting the pig around. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. It was, Wazowski it was... ends up riding the pig, and, like, there's a dude playing guitar, and Sully just, like, barrels right through him. And, yeah, they basically yeah. terrorized campus for a quick little minute there. And it was fun because they really played a lot of the, like, the or showed a lot of the classic college tropes. Like, yes. yeah, the, the guy playing guitar in the quad with a bunch of people sitting in a circle around him. Um bunch or plowing through different sign-up booths um yeah just some goofy stuff um but mike ends up uh basically capturing the pig um but sully pulls it out of the trash can that he captures it in and gets all the credit for it which is kind of a foreshadowing thing um and sully gets essentially adopted into the uh the popular what do you call it? frat on campus roar omega roar which yeah pretty fun um which are the yeah the cool kids um mike kind of gets uh overshadowed in that and then it kind of cuts more to a montage again of mike trying to one up so or yeah sully and mike trying to one up each other in um the scare program to become the best scares um 
Sully kind of starts off as like the hot shot doing really well. Mike is having a hard time and then it kind of roll reversal by the end. Um, turns out Sully isn't very good at what he does. He's just naturally scary. Um, and Mike was always the bookworm. Yeah. But kind of like people always kind of wrote him off from the get-go based on his stature. Yeah, he's not a not a scary guy. Right. Um, and come final time, um, those two have kind of been at each other's throats for a while, although Mike doesn't really have a throat, whatever. Um, been at each other's throats for a minute, and it kind of boils over in the final exam, um, and they knock over the... Um, president of the camp or president of the college they knock over one of her artifacts or one of her like prized possessions yep and destroy it um she gets she's like uh, she's got a weird stature about her i don't remember what her name was um i think it starts with a p um yeah i'm trying to blank on it right now um it'll come to me all right yeah we'll get back to that um but she kind of does like a impromptu quiz on both of them, basically. Uh, uh, Dean Hard Scrabble. Dean Hard Scrabble. Um, Would not expect you to just get that. Nope, I thought it started with a P. I had to look at my notes here. Um, but yeah, she basically gives them a test on the spot to kick them out, but seem fair about it to kick them out of the program. Um, so she kicks both of them out of the program. They end up having to go to a different part of the school. Um, I think canister design. Yes. Yeah, yeah. which is pretty funny. Um, actually, there's a great bit. They, in their first day of that class, the teacher goes on this little thing. He's like, some monsters say that canister design is one of the most boring and, un- yeah, most boring and just unexciting um industry or program in this school and then just continues on with his lesson like doesn't say there's no but there's no anything else he just says it (laughs) in a really monotone voice and he's like monster canister design is yeah man yeah um but yeah so they kind of go through that and mike finds the uh a poster for the scare competition which is basically a um, student-held competition to prove who the best scarers on campus are, or the best scare frat. Um, kind of like a little Olympics-type thing. They've got a series of, uh, I don't know, yeah, college, college games, you know, yeah, challenges all, on campus. Yeah, all relating to scaring. Um and Mike and Sully have to join a fraternity in order to compete in that so that they can get back into the SCARE program. Um, so they join um, Ooze Kappa. Yes. Yeah, Ooze Kappa. Which is like the joke of the frats. Yep. Which also, I love how there's a goth fraternity. Yes. It's like where... I get like they're trying to like take as many like groups and like play off them, but it's like... Show me a goth fraternity. Like, those are two concepts that just go against each other so much. Like, that just bugged me. And it totally cool with having Aubrey Plaza voicing a goth alien in a kid's movie. Totally down for that. Big it fan. makes sense. It yep. works. But 
goth frat alien. Come on. Come on. I don't know. They That probably was like my favorite frat because every time it cut to them, it was just like this goofy. Yeah. Goofy it was my cut. favorite. But don't don't make them a frat. Well, Eric, they've got to be in the movie. They had to have. I guess some frat. I shouldn't say a frat, a sorority. Don't sorority. make them a sorority. Sure. Yeah, they um, didn't make them a frat. They made them a sorority. Either way, a, a goth sorority. <laughs> I don't know about that. I've never seen one, but I can't say for certain they don't exist. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they so they join the kind of joke fraternity on campus in order to compete in the games. Um, with kind of just a bunch of not scary monsters, um, and then going through the competition, um, they just they don't work together very well, um, and yeah, they, it takes them a couple competitions in order to become a team, but they always just eke out not getting eliminated. Yeah, basically. Yeah, um, and then kind of goes through. Uh, they get invited to a big frat party mixer um like they're starting to believe they got accepted into the group and instead they get pranked um they get a bunch of colorful paint doused all over them then a bunch of glitter flowers and stuffed animals yeah to become the most adorable monsters on campus and this kind of galvanizes them a little bit uh they're yeah pretty beaten down but it galvanizes them a bit and they end up breaking into uh, the monster or the uh, scare factory, uh, the place that the first movie took place. Uh, they break into there, so Mike can show them that none. What all of the best scares have in common is nothing. Um, nothing. There's not one particular thing that makes a good scary monster. Um, it's deep. Yeah. And then, yeah, they come back a little galvanized. Uh, they do very well at the next couple things. Um, and then it comes to the final competition, which is a scare simulator. Uh, they go through that. Um, Sully has kind of realized that Mike is not a scary monster. And so he gets a little worried about that. Mike ends up taking the uh, the anchor spot on the team. So each monster has to go through the scare simulator and whoever whichever team scores the highest wins. Uh, Mike gets in there and ends up getting full marks. Uh, they win. Everything's great. Scream meter goes off the charts, fills the canister, all that jazz. Yep. Um, and then... But. Yeah, but... Mike then finds out that Sully had broken into the room and changed the settings on the um, on the system in order to make everything scary. So kind of, yeah, cheated so Mike could do well. Uh, Mike takes a lot of offense to this. Um, kind of like that, you know, that final, or that scene in a movie where the two main characters, like they... They were friends, and then they're at each other's throats again. They're enemies. Right. Um, I think that's that that sequence, I think, is just really showcasing Pixar's, like, writing. Like, because, like, I kind of talked about earlier, like, Sully is not nearly as likable in this film as he was in Monsters, Inc. But by this point in the film, we've kind of come around to him. He's... We've warmed up to him. He's a nicer guy. And I don't think 
you know, him rigging the system, him rigging the games, I don't think was totally like a selfish maneuver. I think he wanted to win, but I think he also wanted like Mike to win. Mm-hmm. But also like it hurts because in a way Mike feels like he did that because he knew all along that Mike couldn't do it on his own. Yeah, he didn't believe you know? in Mike. He didn't believe in him. Yeah. And you know, and what does that say in the long run if 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 Sully rigs the system so Mike looks good, you know? Is Sully going to be doing that the whole time, you know? It, at some point you got to let the bird leave the nest and it it creates a problem there. So I think that that sequence is like really well done. Like it, it's very layered where mm-hmm. no one's necessarily wrong or bad it it's just a matter of like intentions and and perceptions of what what each person was doing um well and it so i mean again the whole theme of the movie is basically mike getting told that he's not scary at every turn and him trying to beat the odds to basically yeah blunt force his way into becoming a great scarer and even the moments where he is kind of being built up, it's like, it's a it's a, a positive in the moment, but it doesn't really give any long term hope, you know. Yep. Um. So then Mike kind of takes it upon himself. Uh, he breaks into the door making lab where the students have been making doors all semester, and gets to the human world, um, to try to prove that he can scare a real child. Yep. And he gets in there. Um, and the first, he tries, tries his best and the kid's not scared of him. And then it comes up that they're actually, the door is actually at a sleepaway camp and none of the kids are scared of him. Um, they're all just very curious, which basically destroys him, but kind of gets the point across that everybody's been trying to make all movie, um, that he's just not a scary monster. Right. He's very book smart. Um, knows a lot about the how to do it it's just not good at it yeah and i guess we can kind of spoiler alert because you know just the way that these movies were released this is a a prequel but it ends up working out for mike in the long run because you know he kind of helps change the system you know he realizes maybe he he can't do the job that he's always wanted to do Mm mm-hmm so rather than changing himself to fit that job, he changes the job entirely to fit him. Yep. You know? And he does that. Monsters, Inc. ends with him doing stand-up, trying to evoke laughter from a kid because he realizes that he's a funny guy. He's not mm-hmm. a scary guy. So, you know, it's uh, at times Mike Wazowski can be an annoying guy, but there's something very endearing about someone who's like doesn't change for the system they yeah. you know as much as he tried the system yeah as much as he tried he couldn't couldn't change the way the system wanted him to um so he broke it yeah he dismantled it well anarchy so the yeah so he's stuck in <laughs> k k so he's stuck in this human world here um the lab ends up turning the door off um but not before Sully breaks in and sneaks into the room with him, um, kind of tracks down Mike, 
and they need to figure out a way to get back to their world. Um, so what Mike and Sully end up doing is Mike ends up showing Sully all of, like, basically coaching Sully through what ends up being the best scare. And I hated this part. I hated the... <sighs> so their plan is to scare the adults so bad that the door powers from the human world side and opens onto the monster side. Because apparently that's possible. And I don't know why, again, like I'm not trying to argue, argue canon of the Monsters, Inc. world. But that shit, that's horseshit. You, you don't get to do that. I, I don't know. I hated that part. Yeah, that's that's a scene I had to run back a few times. And I'm probably going to watch a couple more times tonight. Because yeah, I, I think at the end of the day... Maybe it's not worth it. Suspend no. disbelief. It's one of those moments where it's uh, you can get real bent out of shape or you can just sigh and go, you know, fucking kids movies. Yep. But that was the thing is like I've been able to suspend disbelief for the entire movie. And then this scene comes along. I'm like, OK, you're asking me to go like another layer deep. And I'm just not willing to do that. I mean, if you can buy, uh, uh, you know, Billy Crystal as a Cyclops, I think. This is the least of your problems. You'd think so, but uh, it ain't. No, nope. I'm I'm holding my line on this. That was uh, I hated that scene. But well, anyway, I can tell it's a sore spot. It so is I won't a sore bring spot. It up again. Um, but anyway, Mike essentially coaches Sully through this whole thing. Uh, they end up scaring the adults so bad that they're able to get back through the door, and then when they get back to their side, the door blows up. Um. So they're back in the monster world. And a couple things go down and they get expelled from school um, for, you know, breaking the rules, breaking into the lab, endangering a lot of people, you know, generally being bad people, um, which kind of, again, plays to my thing from last episode uh, where Mike is not really the good guy in these movies. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, and then they end up seeing that um, there's a ad to help in the mailroom at the Monsters, Inc. Scare Factory. Um, they start there, and they kind of just work their way up to being a scare team. Um, and, yeah, so thus starts the, the, uh, the dynamic duo of Mike and Sully. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good. Yeah, I. This is such a weird one, man. This is like. It it it's. I don't want to say it's a departure from. Monsters Inc. But like, again, you got the same characters, but like, those characters are just have have. Vastly different personalities, and they. I mean, it is, again, it is a prequel, and. Yep. It, they are in college, so I'm not saying it's inaccurate. You know, people grow a lot in college, and I think they did a pretty good job of capturing that. But you, you're right. It has a different. I don't want to say it doesn't feel like a Pixar film, sure, but it definitely feels. Maybe it doesn't feel like a Monsters Inc. film. Maybe that's what it is. I think in general, it's kind of hard to see. You know, in Monsters Inc. We see the characters start, we see them grow, and turn into characters that we like. Yeah. And then in a prequel, 
they've got to backtrack all that progress that they made, and then they've got to backtrack even more. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have... At the beginning of the first one, you have likable characters that turn into lovable characters. Then we have to go back to likable, and then we kind of have to go back to, like, bad. Or, like, people we don't like. Because, like, I was never really rooting for Mike through the movie. I mean, you yeah, you are, but, like, only because you know him. But it was also weird because you know that he's not a scare in the next movie. Yeah. So, like, you can kind of see where the whole thing is going anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. No, I... I agree. I mean, it's pretty predictable. Yeah. Pretty predictable. Um, I do think it was reminiscent of a lot of classic college films. I mean, Animal House, uh, Van Wilder, just a lot of um, National Lampoon's content. Um, You know, American Pie. Films like that. Definitely reminiscent of that. I almost wish, though, it would have directly spoofed some more of those like i wish the first time that sully sat down in late in class and asked to borrow a pencil and then ends up sharp like picking his teeth with it i wish he was wearing like the the john belushi college <laughs> shirt you know what i mean like that would have been I, great. I, I wish they would have directly like bit some of those things because i feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna spoof it if you're gonna spoof it like go all in like don't don't just try to tread that 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 line like hit it out of the park you know have have the aliens or excuse me the monsters playing like uh you know slime pong or something like that like or or replacing you know dirty words with you know weird monster words you know words like crusty or you know things like that Mm -hmm. um but didn't really get that you know it was all vague references like i wish i could sit here with a bunch of fun facts about you know how this scene was a direct spoof on this scene from animal house but i you know Mm -hmm. there really wasn't any of that so i feel like while it does feel like a a fun college movie feels like one that played it too safe yeah yeah um i don't know there was there was some parts where i was like there, there wasn't nearly as many dark scenes, I guess. Um, yeah, that's true. It was a pretty light, light-hearted movie. Yeah, through and through, which, because there weren't dark scenes, I feel like they could have gone a little more comedy with it. Um, like, it was just kind of always, the whole movie was Mike against the world. That was the whole thing. It was, but also, like, there were no dark scenes because there really were no villains. And because there really no were no villains, the stakes were really never that high. Like, yeah, it was Mike against the world, but it was Mike against the world with the safety net of college. Like, yeah, he could fail, but at the end of the day, like, he's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there really wasn't a bad guy. And maybe that was uh, a choice because they were in college and they didn't want to have, you know the idea of an evil yeah young adult i mean there was there was like the one guy from roar omega roar um the the guy with the big fangs the jaw i think they called him yeah but he was just kind of like a bro guy jock dude yeah you know he just wanted the wanted the best people 
and like he was you know even like a cliche like i mean there were just tons of college cliches which were a lot of fun yeah um he was like a hazer but not like a direct antagonist yeah like nobody ever did anything that made it harder for the main characters to do what they needed to do i mean maybe uh helen mirren's character the 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 dean but even her, sure. she, I wouldn't say she was evil. Like, I never hated her. If anything, I thought she was kind of badass. Yep. You know? She was that, an obstacle, but... That was... Yes. That was a... They did a great job at making a very scary, intimidating character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, she made Water Noose, the, you know, the crab snowman guy look like uh, look like nothing. Maybe just a crab. A snow crab. Yeah. Shit. That's what it was. Snow crab. That's how they got the character model. For water, for water news. news, snow crab. Hmm. I guarantee that's what it was. He's like a snowman. Yeah, crab. snowman crab, okay. snow okay. crab. <laughs> he kind of looks like a character that would have been out of like uh, Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, kind of. Uh, kind of reminds me of the the mad scientist jelly guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Those like movies that. are weird. I love that movie. I'm kind of bummed that that's not a Pixar movie. I would Me love to. Too. I'm probably going to watch it again, but like I, I want to watch it and talk about it. Maybe we'll record like a bonus episode after this season. <laughs> Just Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. They they did a whole TV show. Yep. Or like three the off t- of that. The TV show was fun. Um, basically just a whole bunch of like other monsters that they made before Stitch. Crime of the Week with like some reoccurring monsters. Yep. Yeah. Same like with the, like a, they did the same thing with like a Buzz Lightyear show where uh, mm-hmm. Emperor Zerg was a much bigger part. Yep. Uh, the Lilo and Stitch one was fun, though, because there's one very reoccurring monster. Uh, I think his name was Larry, and all he did was make sandwiches. Like, that was that was just a bit that they never let die. He's this yellow monster, and he just loved making sandwiches. Did he eat them? Yeah. Yeah, he eat the sandwiches. Did he try to, like, give them out? Yeah. Did other people like Larry's sandwiches? Yep. He just made a bunch of sandwiches. That was his whole damn thing. You need to remind me of this. Okay. I want to watch Larry make sandwiches for Lilo and Stitch tonight. I'm pretty sure they made like a game out of it too. Oh my like God. just like a flash game if I remember right. But yeah, you just you make sandwiches. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the guy's name is Larry. He's like he looks like a yellow stitch, but like more humanoid. It was great. I can't I can't follow <laughs> that. Um well, I don't know what else to say about this uh, plot of uh, Monsters U for now. But what do you say we rate this the, beverage? The troll way. Got a little bit more in there? Ah, uh, yeah. Things like half full still. Oh, shit. I want to refresh the palate a little bit. It's a tasty one. I see why they made this a flagship. Mm. I don't remember it being this clean. Yeah, I mean, they might have just perfected the recipe over time. But I think I got my rating. Okay. I'm going 4-4. Four, 4-4, four. Four, four. wow. Crisp, clean, dank, citrusy. They might be buzzwords, but they all apply. This is just a really nice IPA. Yep. I mean... If you're looking to switch it up, if you want something that's, you know, not a hazy, a lot of flavor, isn't going to knock you out, but still has, you know, nice little backbone behind it, man, I'm into this. 4-4. Four, four. 
Four four. Wow. What is the ABV on this one? Just took a good question. I'm gonna guess six two. Ooh. I'm gonna go five seven. <whistles> what we got seven. Holy shit! That is a real sneaky seven. I yeah. would not have put that there. Nope. Okay. God damn insight. Uh, like I said, I I know why they made this a flagship. Slow um, pour. <laughs> slow pouring an IPA over there. Um, for me, honestly, yeah, it's going. I'm gonna give it like a probably a four. I'm gonna go four three with this one. Like, it's a beer that's been around for a really long time. Yeah. Um. And it still can hold its own against a lot of beers that are coming out. Like, I would take this beer over a lot of beers that I've had, even on the show. Um, and we try, try to drink pretty recent beers. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's been around for a while. I first had this beer on tap probably five years ago. And, I mean, literally to get to this place from where our studio is at right now, like, I don't want to totally give away the spot, but... <laughs> You make like one turn and then you make another turn and then you go about like three miles and then you make one more turn and you're there. Like it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, after driving um, for like two days, because remember our studios in uh, in Florida. Uh, yeah, that's right. But yep. it's a pretty straight shot. You know, yeah, exactly. the interstate. <laughs> exactly. T- you take the interstate and then yeah. it's yeah. Turn R- another turn and another turn. You know. Tollway. Trollway. Troll, I, I could missed it. I did miss it. I'm sorry, everybody. That ship is sailed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's a fantastic beer. Um, I did read that they got a new head brewer. Um, that's trying some new stuff. I think we had. Did we have their coffee orange beer? Their orange coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. Uh, yes, yes. Orange and espresso. I think. Yeah. Really cute little can design. Very different from this. Yeah. Um, all their flagships are like a uniform, like single color design, uh, all over a black label. Um, really, really pops. Um, big fan of that art. Really good use of negative space. I shouted them out last week, but Cub Foods Liquor, Roseville, <laughs> they've got that they got orange it. espresso beer on sale. Like I think till the end of this month. They've got Insight as like a special beer, and I think they got Odell coming next month. Ooh. So, uh, chickity chickity, check it out. A little ninety shillings. That's always a good one. That is a good one. Or um, oh, um, uh, didn't they have like a a, a Saint Saint Lupulin or something like that? I don't remember that one. Ninety shillings is always kind of the one I remembered. Isn't that kind of like their fat tire? Yeah. No, 90 shillings is... What style is that? I think it's just an amber ale. That could be. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, But either way, yeah. uh, Very excited um, to see what else they're putting out. Um, I know they just released a new like mixer pack of a bunch of different IPAs called hop drop i think saint lupulin oh wow american pale ale okay and also a correction sunken city you're right i am right it's got uh sauvignon blanc ah, grapes 
That's it. Okay. So, you know, I know we talk a lot of animation here. Might be uh, a little bit film heavy, some might say, but trying to slip in some stuff for the the beer folks out there and also get better at correcting myself when when i'm wrong so nate say it say it on air record it nate nate was right (laughs) i i mislabeled a beer i corrected nate i was wrong and and i apologize um okay yep four okay perfect um yeah i just need to get that timestamp uh to our producer so i can have that as my ringtone for when eric calls me (laughs) <laughs> all right so i got my review in i got my name you got your review in yep we talked about this movie uh what do you say we take a quick little break and we come back with a fresh beer and some fun facts eric's fun fact corners brought to you by eric's fun facts geico where we can save you money on your car and motorcycle call 1-800-GEICO talk to an agent today and also progressive I don't know. That lady that just talks a lot. She's kind of funny sometimes. Also, their commercials about how not to turn into your parents. Great. State Farm. <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> Farmer's insurance. Eat fresh. Dude, we're going to get taken down. Yep, that's it. We'll be back. I hope. This is better than I ever imagined. I bet we break the all-time record in our first year. Hi. We're mail guys. I know. I'm talking about the record for letters delivered. <laughs> All right, newbies, quit goofing around. I'll have you know tampering with the mail is a crime punishable by banishment. Yes, sir. We're right on it, Mr. Snowman. The team of Wazowski and Sullivan are going to change the world starting today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We are not sponsored by McDonald's or any insurance companies, but we do have a podcast where we talk <laughs> Suds with Buds and Pixar about childhood films and beers (laughs) that's our slogan and it's great it's an excellent intro um great job eric real (laughs) proud of you um we've come so far thanks man (laughs) uh so yeah this is this is kind of where i shine i'm gonna talk some fun facts love eric's fun facts Um, I'm, i'm gonna i'm gonna get about halfway through and then when i need a little uh whistle wetter that's okay. when we'll uh, okay. we'll crack open our foamer. I love I love having a formex and we can just chop it up, you know. Isn't that kind of not the point of a format? Is to not chop it up? No, the whole point is to build a format so you can absolutely destroy it, crumple it up, throw it out the window, and deviate from it. Oh, I always forget about that. It's like a weird thing that just intuitively doesn't make sense, but I'm into it. I'm like you're the dude that goes to a casino and sits at a slot machine. Oh, that hurts my feelings. I go play cards with the adults, Nathan. I literally had a conversation with my grandpa today about uh, he went to a casino. Uh, he's like, uh, he's like just giggling to himself. He's like, hey, I cleaned him out and I went home. Like he <laughs> he went down to the casino. Uh, and he ate he lunch had, at the buffet. I don't think so. And then went home. No, he fucking cleaned a bottle of lobster. <laughs> he had. So he's got Your a. Uncle's like, from New Jersey now. It's fine. He lived there. Your grandpa. He lived in <laughs> New Jersey for a while. So yeah, oh fine. Yeah. Um, but uh he has like a membership card at Treasure Island. And on those cards, like they'll give you credits to play slot machines. Um and he had about fifty dollars in credit. So he swiped it on a machine that he likes, um, put twenty in, played for a little bit, ended up winning uh, about three hundred dollars. 
uh, cashed that out, went to a different machine, did roughly the same thing, and won like another $297, was just stoked on himself, and then left. Damn. Yep. So he walked out $600 up. On slots? On slots. How? That's what I said. I was like, I, I didn't know you could leave unless you, or you could leave up unless you win like a jackpot. Does, does he know, like, does he have a system or something? I don't think he has a system. I think he just has gone there enough that where it was kind of, it was time to win something. Grandpa had a good day. No. <laughs> no, Eric. <laughs> Bad Eric. Get to your fun facts. Did you know, when designing the look of first grade and university age Mike Wazowski... The character design team researched the ways young frogs differ in appearance to adult amphibians. His skin is thus clearer, brighter, and more elastic when he is younger. So, this is kind of cool because, like, I mean, again, even just taking a character model, a monster that, a thing that doesn't exist, and like basing it off something that's real because then it kind of gives the appearance like, oh, that makes sense. Yes. Like, without thinking about it. Yeah. Yep. He's green. He's got a big bug eye. Yep. Legs. Kind of looks a little froggy. Exactly. And he's like, texture wise, he has so much less texture through that movie than he does in the first Monsters, Inc., which yeah. is kind of weird. Because, like, you think like Toy Story, where first movie, like, they're just plasticky as hell. And then, like, slowly the plastic kind of looks better and better. Yep. Where in this one, yeah, kind of the reverse. Yeah. But it made more sense. True. Um, did you know, back when Monsters University was a Circle 7 Disney project, and I'm going to stop myself here, you might be like, well, yo, Circle 7, where did I hear that? Toy Story 2 episode. That was going to be a Circle 7 uh, project, which was not Pixar affiliated. It was another Disney animation studio. And they were going to do that as a budgetary cut. But, you know, things got back on track. And that was apparently going to be the same thing with this. But, yeah. So, Circle 7 almost got the green light on the project. Um, but, as we all know, Pixar still ended up producing it in the end. But, anyways, um, it was reportedly going to be a sequel titled Monsters, Inc. 2 Lost in Scaradice. The premise was rumored to have found Mike and Sully trapped in the human world and searching for Boo after discovering that her family had moved houses. An idea with more than a touch of Toy Story to it. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty heavy. Isn't that... Um, uh, you continue on your fun facts. I thought they did a short called Monster... Or I think they did Scaradice. a Scaradice. I think they used that word later, but that was originally going to be the second film. Okay. Which was going to be a feature just by a different animation company, presumably direct to video, if it was going to go the same way as Toy Story 2, which would have been around the same. Or no, it wouldn't have been around the same time. This was like 2013, we're talking now. Okay. Um, but, uh, oh, no, they've got an animated short called Party Central, but I don't see a scare dice. I thought they did, but maybe I was wrong. Anyway. Anyway. Um. So did you know that the Pixar team kept an Amazonian giant centipede, the creature on which uh, Dean Hardscrabble's bottom half was based on hand during 
her character development. So, yeah, they kept a giant centipede in a tank of some sort, terrarium, mm-hmm. uh, in their offices. Was Helen Mirren's character was based off just to figure out the movements. But uh, this became a problem only when a dangerous insect specialist, for some reason, visited the Pixar campus and warned the designers about the toxicity of the creature's venom. And after that, the creature was transferred from its loosely sealed plastic box to a proper tank. So, <laughs> I, I take back my own words there. It was not... It's not well well put together. No. A um, little yeah. crazy, but also kind of cool i mean i again we appreciate the lengths that they went to to make sure that these were done right back to our first episode with the army guys Mm -hmm. like they they don't just take objects and make them up out of thin air not usually usually they're taking like an existing three-dimensional object from our world and trying to reanimate it yep reanimate it and then you can kind of play with different parts but like movement wise it's actually very clear, like, when something doesn't exist or that's not how, like, it's not like you know how it moves, but you know what's not right. Right. Like, it's very, it's, like, weirdly apparent as soon as you see it. Yes. Um, which is kind of fun. 100%. Also, pretty ballsy. Like, literally transporting or having any animal, especially, like, a bug or a lizard from the Amazon, like, all of that shit's toxic. Like, they're all pretty dangerous. Yeah, right? It's just, just how they are. I hate centipedes, man. Yep. Just, oh. Apparently, centip- I've heard that centipedes are actually... They actually do have their own venom, like your standard centipede, but it's much like the um, the daddy long legs. No, that, that's not true. Um, but it's much more like they don't really have enough venom nor the ability to bite deep enough where they could actually hurt you, mm. but like they are fairly toxic, all things considered. Gross. Yeah. Moving on. Did you know, when the film was in production, uh, to continue with the college theme, the Pixar team went through some friendly university-style fraternity hazings, or initiation tests, that were uh, organized by department heads. The playful humiliation... The playful humiliations ranged from cross-dressing as Miss Doubtfire to one employee having to carry around a cardboard cutout hunk and uh, introduce it to everyone that she met as her boyfriend. Hmm. Kind of, kind of fucked up. A little fucked up. Uh, I don't think I don't think hazing's ever not been fucked up. Yeah, but those are like, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's a little weird, Pixar. A little weird, but... Not very nice of you. No, no, but... I mean, can't you just, like, egg somebody or TP their car or, you know... I feel like that's more harassment. Stone Cold Stunner somebody in an elevator? I don't think that's better, to be honest. But, hey, you know what? (laughs) We got this movie, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't condone hazing of any form. No. Uh, Yeah. Please, Pixar, responsibly. (laughs) (laughs) um did you know that amongst the many iterations of the film during development was uh monsters elementary Mm. it's worded weirdly 
Monsters Elementary. Basically, Monsters Elementary was a, a, a concept for a, a prequel uh, to Monsters, Inc. And, uh, yeah, that version told a story where Mike and Sully met as very young children, then separate and reunite at university. I think that could have been, I don't know. I guess said uh, during the plot summary, like, those two not getting along and kind of just being, like, kind of shitty in their own rights during the whole movie. You know, you kind of, you can forgive that when they're children, but, like, college kids, I mean, I was, I was absolutely a shithead in college, but, like, people have a lot less patience for that, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, totally. So, like, I think elementary school would have done, I don't know, I think that could have played better. Yeah. But who knows? Who knows? Sorry, that was, uh, that was loud. Um, did you know the design of Archie the Scare Pig, the mascot of rival college Fear Tech, was loosely based on director Dan Scanlon's Japanese spaniel named Carol? <laughs> really might try to look up a picture of this dog because if that was i don't know how that could be based off an animal pretty fugly dog yep but i'm looking over there and it looks like uh you got a beautiful hammer heart beer in your hand and i'm kind of jonesing do. for a beer i need to jonesing for a hammer heart is what i'm whistle for no uh, this is this is a smoked beer yeah yep yeah well i mean it's from hammer heart that's like a like at least 50 percent chance i just gotta ask i just yep. gotta ask yeah, so t- uh, our second beer of the episode is going to be the Stjordal, uh from Hammerheart Brewing. Um, it is a Alderwood smoked farmhouse ale, coming in at a whopping seven. Oof. Um, but uh, let's see. This beer was crafted with custom Alderwood smoked malt, run through Juniper Burrows. And fermented with native Norwegian yeast strains. Alright. Hell yeah. Every time I get a Hammerheart beer, I'm just super excited because it's some of the can be some of the weirdest stuff. Um, we have been talking about doing a little Suds Buds road trip up there. Um, Suggested it for today, but man, how time slips away. Mm-hmm. Kind of packed yeah. a, a full one today. Because they're, uh, yeah, Lionel Lakes. That's, that's a bit up there. A little bit of a hike. It's like, what, half hour, 45 minutes north? Something mm, like that? Yeah. Probably a little more. All of a half hour. Yeah. Well, I'll pour this up if you want to do another fun fact for the folks. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Whoa. Hey. All right there, Nate. I'm just pouring a beer. Leave me alone. Uh, did you know that there are an average of 3.7 eyes per monster character on campus? That's just a fun fact. Is that a fun is fact. a fun fact. It's a very fun fact. The fact that there's a, a decimal point to the average number of eyes on campus. Like, there are plenty that had one eye. There are, you know, uh, one of the main characters had like eight of them. Yeah. Um, did you know there are well over 400 characters in the film and an average of 25 characters in each shot, making it Pixar's most populated picture to date? And that's this, crazy. 25 characters per shot. And this one came out, 
That doesn't sound right. I mean, there was plenty of shots where it was just like the four or five of them. But if you think, think of the average. Oh, an average of 25. Okay. All those long game scenes and even when we get all the humans, I mean. Yeah. Okay. I don't I'd, know. I'd like to see the math. <laughs> I wouldn't. I hate math. Oh, well. This beer tastes like a beef stick. I don't eat red meat, but damn, Ooh. like up front, and then it's is and then Ooh. it finishes different. God, that's tasty though. It's tasty, but like it is, it is aggressive. It tastes like turkey jerky. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm uh, I'm gonna need some time to think on this one. Oh, dude. We should do. Oh, I got an idea. Okay. Do we need to talk about this during a lunch meeting, or do you want to just bring it on air? Throw it out there and see what people think. Okay. And maybe even tag Hammerheart. If I do a Sam Elliott voice and hype a Hammerheart beer, smoky beer. Sure. <laughs> oh, that's your idea right now? <laughs> and give it to them and get it as an ad. Ooh. I like it. Maybe they could send us some free beer. Maybe maybe it's like uh, I give them a little piece. They give us a little something. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. But. All right. All right. Well, uh, yeah, maybe we'll record some Hammerheart uh, promo material. Although after this. Sam Elliott doesn't so much seem their thing as like some Norse metal. I think, I think Sam Elliott could kind of play like a Norseman. I, I think... This might be something we need to talk about at lunch because I think you might be musically confused, Nathan. Uh-oh. I think you might be musically confused, Nathan. <laughs> All right. I don't want to talk about this on air. I think this uh, is a conversation deserving of a lunch meeting. Not a lunch meeting, a lunch meeting. Lunch meeting. Get back to your fun facts. Give the people <laughs> what they want. Ah, <laughs> uh, Let's see. Did you know, director Dan Scanlon recalls Billy Crystal and John Goodman in the recording sessions when they were together improvising a number of lines that he describes as incredibly inappropriate. So I referenced this uh, on last week's episode, but uh, didn't remember the name of the guy. But yeah, it was director Dan Scanlon. But uh, apparently Billy Crystal and John Goodman were saying some uh, naughty stuff in the booth. I can imagine that. I mean, it's it's college, you know. It's college. <laughs> no, that's college. Now that's college. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Just a couple more left. Um, did you know that Sully's fur was one of the most praised technical aspects of Monsters Inc. And in Monsters University, the number of his individual hairs has increased fivefold to over five and a half million. <laughs> It, yeah, it's kind of weird because like it, it almost seemed like he was less textured in this movie. You know what I mean? Like it seemed like his hair was a lot shorter. I think he just had a lot less of a role in this movie, and also he seemed so big in the first movie because I think a lot of it was like small interiors. He spent so much time in like bedrooms and in the factory and stuff. Whereas this movie is like open, a lot it. of it's open, like outdoor and big frat houses and stuff. So. Sure. I think that has to do with it, too. We don't really get a lot of Sully close-ups in this one. 
Okay. Also yeah. not super dramatic. And when a movie's not super dramatic, you know, comedies traditionally don't have a ton of close-ups. Yeah, it's not something you... A close-up's not necessary. Yeah. I guess. Okay, fair enough. All unless, right. Unless it's for something funny. You know? Sure. Uh, and our last one. This is freaking crazy. I... I said I hated math, but I put this in here anyways. Um, so each frame of this film, Monsters University, took an average of 29 hours to render. Anyone who knows about animation or the film process knows that there is, uh, you know, 24 frames per second of film is generally what we're seeing on the screen. Um, yeah. Basically, 24 frames is what it takes to produce a second of on-screen content. You know? That's just... I mean, again, like you're... For gaming, sometimes it's 60 frames. Mm-hmm. You know? Sometimes you shoot in 30 frames. It's just... It's uh, either way. Multiply that by 90 minutes. Yep. I mean, you're talking... I mean, again, they have very huge studios. They have a ton of designers. So, it's not like one person's working on this for you know 29 hours but like holy shit well and i can take it a level deeper here okay um were it just one person working on one single computer with one single processor if they try to just render this film it would take them over ten thousand years <laughs> whoo gotta love technology yeah, that's just wild. And it can be intimidating. Yep. But, uh, yeah. Well, um, I don't have a ton for the music. Do you want to steamroll through this and then maybe review this beer? Yeah, why not? I think we're good. I'm going to pour myself up a little bit more here. Mm. All right. So, uh, music for Monsters University. Uh, the music, again, it's a Randy Newman one. Seventh collaboration. Now, this is not the seventh Pixar film at this point. This is uh, 2013. Yeah, There's been a number in between that he didn't take part in. Um, I think Ratatouille being one of them. Um, some others. One of the cars, maybe. Um, but yeah, seventh collaboration with Pixar as a composer. So, pretty cool. Um, also, the song's main title as well as the songs Rise and Shine and the Scare Games feature the drum line from the Blue Devils group, or BD Entertainment, which is a world-class competitive junior drum and bugle corps based in Concord, California. So, and that definitely comes through in this movie. There's a lot of, oh God, yeah. you know, a lot of drum line, university, marching band-esque music, and it, it plays, man. It's great. Like, we were talking about how much we love the one song, I yep. don't, how catchy it is. I think that's, uh, is that Rise and Shine? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah I'm pretty sure that that's got to be the name of it. Either that or the main title. For the most part, that was the only song in the movie. Um, like, it wasn't, I mean, there was plenty of, um, yeah, there was plenty of orchestral numbers, but like, for a noticeable like variation from that not just like dictating a scene but like a overlay on a scene where the music's just as important that was like the one song in the whole thing 
Yeah. You know. Oops. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. Very true. Yeah. But uh, so that uh, that band, they actually recorded the percussion tracks at the Skywalker Ranch, which is George Lucas's ranch, which there's photos out there. It is not open to the public, but it is, let's call it not so much a residence of George Lucas's, but more or less a retreat for some Lucas and Pixar and Disney personnel. But it's like a 10,000 acre ranch. We're talking like, he's got photos like man-made lakes and, and it's all like named after like there's like i think it's like lake ewok is one of them like it's some rich guy shit yep um but check it out yeah skywalker ranch not from what i understand not like the primary office for pixar or lucas entertainment but like they have all that stuff there where yo you want to go cut a record you want to voice over for a movie you want to do some cgi in an editing booth on after effects like he got you well and i'm i'm kind of curious i would i would love to see a picture because did they record it outside no no No. i i I would not think so um i mean but maybe i just feel like for something like that he's probably got some sort of a a big studio that they were in well the so an issue with drumline stuff can be that it it does, I mean, obviously it creates a lot of noise. They're all very loud instruments. And while you do, you do quiet down, like there's, I don't know, because it it has enough reverb in the song to sound like it might be being played outside. Yeah, like, but I mean, also at the same time, knowing how tight George Lucas is with a guy like John Williams, I mean, there might just be a full, like, a full theater there. Yeah. That's but true. I get what you're saying. Like you would need as far it, as acoustics, it doesn't sound like it's. That's not like the kind of group that you could record in a normal studio. Like they, they're very good at what they do, but like you'd kind of want everybody playing at the same time. Right. And a lot of what drum lines do, like the sound blends very well together. So like you don't put them in individual booths. You wouldn't put them. Um. Like you would want to kind of record it all at once. True. Um, and outs- honestly, outdoor recording can be really like a very successful thing. Um, yeah. It really depends on how much space you have, but like outdoor recording can work very well. There you go. Look at that. I'm learning stuff today. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it pays to have a, a, a musician on this podcast and, uh, I figured this would be one that you, I figured, would have some insight in with, as soon as I heard, like, the score, I'm like, oh, Nate's going to have something to say about the, the percussion in this film. Yep. As long as you never talk to me about the movie Drumline or the movie Whiplash, we'll be all right. Oh, I got lots of questions about whip, Whiplash as soon as we wrap up. I want to answer none of them. Have you watched The Sound of Metal yet? No. Watch Sound of Metal. Don't tell me what to do. Watch it. Amazon Prime i'll think about it drummer losing his hearing you'll love it it's it's phenomenal you'll love it i'll think about it's great it. people listening watch sound of metal it's i'll great. think about it it's great <laughs> do it um did you know songs island by mastodon and gospel by march 4th marching band are featured during the film but do not appear on the soundtrack 
sorry, I don't know why I said soundtrack. On the soundtrack it's or in, on the in the movie. It's a quick scene playing in like a car. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Where the mom's like in the van, and she's like, "All right, I'm just gonna listen to my tunes." And yep. then, oh, that's yep. pretty good. I noticed that right away too. I was like, "Is that?" And yeah, it's great. It's great. I used to listen to a fair amount of that stuff. <laughs> um. The songs Party Hard by Andrew W.K. and Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue were also prominently featured in the teaser trailers, but they do not appear um, on the soundtrack or in the film. And that brings us to a close for our facts on this movie. So final thoughts here. Um, I guess, how do we want to do this? Do you want to rank the beer and then maybe do the movie ratings? Yeah, let's do beer and then the, yeah. Um, So back to the suds. Back to the suds here. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this one. Um, what's the full style on this one again, Nate? It is a Alderwood smoked farmhouse ale. And what's the ABV on it? Uh, 7%. Jesus. Yep. I mean, behind that much smoke, you can hide a good amount of alcohol. Um. It's good. Mm Mm-hmm. I do like it. It's. It's a lot, man. It I'm really glad we split this can as a pint. As much as I like it, I think I'd be fighting my last few gulps and I think everything after that. I would want another beer to wash it away immediately. Mm-hmm. But I think everything after that would kind of taste like that. It's just very, it's a very meaty, just like. It's smoky, but not in like a grill smoke way. Like. Um, I don't think like umami is a sensation I get a lot from beer, but I'm definitely picking that up with yep. this. Like, like hundred percent savory as hell. You know what? I think this beer would be really good with like, um, but also at the same time I'm thinking it might overpower it, but I was thinking like maybe with sushi. Ooh, no, I bet that'd be pretty good. Maybe with sushi, maybe with like, um get a good mac and cheese like pairing this with like some gouda or something like that like a really nice like you know like a baked mac and cheese or something like that Mm -hmm. um or just any sort of a a cured meat i gotta imagine but um i mean this is this is a meal beer this is a beer you could do something with um i wonder if that smoky quality holds up to cooking i'm kind of just asking a lot of questions because i'm curious like i think this beer has a it's so unique. I think it has a real weird place and like a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. It's just. I would actually love. I would love to talk to these people and yeah. just like, like the people that you know drink it all the time. They craft it all the time. Yeah. Like, what do you guys like to do with this beer? I gotta imagine they're huge barbecuers. But again, that could I don't want to assume. But I gotta imagine. I, I mean, mean, this just. If you're getting custom, uh, yeah. What did it say? Custom Alderwood smoked malt. Gotta imagine you, you know, you know your way around smoking stuff, because like that's not that's the thing is they're not just using any or they're not just smoking things, they're using very specific woods that will bring out very specific flavors to impart on the malt. But yeah, also dude, the whole like, place has to smell like a barbecue joint. This last beer tastes like a combination of like a slim jim and like sautéed mushrooms, <laughs> like. <laughs> And I don't hate it. 
<laughs> and I, that that's what kind of fucking weirds me out right now i'm in a weird dilemma i'm in upside down topsy-turvy bizarro world and i don't know what to think and i want another sip yep of course you do. I, I just i don't know nate i don't know what to <laughs> is is this i'm not a beer snob you know i stand by that but just liking this make you anti-beer snobbery does not like you know what i just don't know this is like nothing i've ever tried before i gotta gotta take one more sip and then i'll give it a final rating okay honestly there's there's very few breweries i've been this excited to go to okay final thoughts final thought very meaty very smoky i think those qualities hide its alcohol well don't know how much it tastes like a farmhouse to me kind of had to ask you what style it was and then even when you told me i was like i guess kind of um but it's it's not bad it's actually pretty damn good it's pretty weird and because of that i would recommend it um i feel like giving it anything over a four would be irresponsible of me but i'm gonna put it at a four just around four check it out this is a weird beer like yeah i don't know if you see it on tap get a short pour get a sample if they offer it like it's i've actually never seen these these ones on tap we had some hammer heart on tap i feel like when i used to work at the stray dog shout out but they had a pretty nice tap selection they always had probably like 40 taps or so damn yeah i would Again, we we absolutely need to go here because let's, like let's I, go to the stray dog for lunch one of these days. Ooh, that could be good. That'd be I'm, awesome. I've never been to the stray dog. It's fantastic. All right, well let's go to the stray dog already. already. Let's go to the stray dog already. Let's go. Let's, let's go. They already. got shuffleboard. They got I'm, shuffleboard. I'm walking here. <laughs> also, Charlie Day was in this movie. Charlie Day was in Monster University. I don't know why it was weird that he was in this movie, but he got almost in. He played a purple monster. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that, Salsa Dave. <laughs> I'm not lying. He was in it. He played a weird purple monster that shapeshifted. And... Charlie Day, for those that didn't couldn't understand Eric's rambling there. Yeah, yeah. It's super fun. High pitch. I was excited. Like, what's going on? We got. We gotta get out of here. Char- Charlie Day reminds me of uh, Salsa Dave's old roommate Starry so much, but like cranked up to like ten. Starry was or or Charlie Day is. Uh, Starry is a much more. The little I knew of Starry, he, uh, cool dude, reminded me of a much more reserved okay. Charlie Day. Okay. Especially when he was, like, a couple drinks and doing his, his Starry laugh. I'd be very interested in meeting this person. Yeah. Talk to talk to Salsa Day. Yeah, well, I got a lot of people to meet. A lot of, lot of beers to drink, a lot of people to meet. Uh, speaking of beer. We're, we're stretching this out. Yeah. Um. All right. I actually... I'm also going to put this beer at a four. Nice. I'm absolutely going to recommend it. Um, it's a lot of fun, but I'd understand that it's not everyone's cup of tea. Like it is weird. Um, and like they've done a lot of smoky beers. This one might be the smokiest that I've had, but I'm not issuing that as a challenge. <laughs> like, it's really well done, and I'd love to have it with some food. Like, what's cool about this is if I got a four pack of this, yeah, like I, they, I just found this one on the singles rack. 
Um, if I found a four pack of this, that four pack would last me probably like a, a good couple days. Like, like you said earlier, it's a meal pairing beer. Yeah. Like it's kind of weird to drink on its own, but God, it would go good with some food. Yeah. Um, hundred percent. Yeah. Big fan though. Uh, yeah. Solid four on that one. Hell's bells. Well, uh, I think that just leaves our ratings on the film. So let's start with, um, we kind of nixed the, um, the music ratings last week, which is fair. We kind of talked about the music quite a bit this week too. So it evens out. We didn't really have any big original songs like we did from monsters Inc with, uh, uh, Billy Crystal and, uh, John Goodman. John Goodman. Yeah. Would recommend watching the live John Goodman. Um, yeah, the Oscars John Goodman singing this song. Yeah, we watched that before we hopped on uh hopped on recording and uh It's fun. Billy Crystal's absent, but, but uh Randy Newman is there. Yep. Playing away on the piano and John Goodman's leaning on the piano, looking fly in a little tuxedo. Actually yep. a very big tuxedo. Yeah. And uh <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Check it's it good, out. It's a good video. But uh, I guess let's... Villains? I guess we don't even really have one for this week either. We kind of talked about that off air. If you want to rank a villain, you can. I'm going to opt not to for this I, one. There's not really a villain. Like There are, there are less likable characters, but there's no one actively working against these two. Um, uh, Mike and Sully... So, like, it's not a villain. Um, the villain, right. like we said earlier, is Mike against the world. The world is against Mike, and the world wins. Yeah. Like, Mike figures out a different way, but the world wins. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's not a villain in this movie, which is kind of a weird thing, too. There's not something to hate, or there's not something to root against, if that makes sense. Um, and at the end of the day, it might even be like one of the biggest flaws of this movie is just the lack of conflict due to no real protagonist or no real, um, or yeah, no real antagonist, no real, um, you know, big dilemma. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It was Still kinda, fun. It was weird, but, um, yeah, so there's not really a villain for this one. Um, movie rating. I think this is going in my bottom slot currently. Really? Yep. Um, I mean, I think Toy Story 2 is just a little more fun. Monsters U was fun. Um, I just didn't think it was... And it didn't quite have the charm for me. Sure. Like, there's a weird Pixar charm that I will spend the entire series trying to figure out what exactly it is. But this movie didn't really have it for me. Hmm. I don't expect this to stay in my bottom slot, but for right now it is. That's fair. Was your bottom s- slot uh, Toy Story 2? Yeah. Yep. And I believe that's mine right now, too. And I'm not going to put it in my bottom slot. I'm going to hop it up one, which I believe is Bugs Life. I thought you had I thought you had Toy Story 2 at the bottom, but I'm not sure. No, after, after Toy Story 2, I think my next lowest is Bugs Life. Yep. I'm going to put this above Bugs Life. Okay. Just by one. I'm going to put it right above Bugs Life. 
It's my third from the bottom so far. Um, I like it because I think the Monsters, Inc. characters were more deserving of a sequel than the Bugs Life characters, and just that alone says a lot about just the characters themselves. And I don't think this movie was a letdown. I don't think it was a departure. I just think it was... It was, um... It was a different take, you know? It was kind of an origin story. Um, it started somewhere new and left us somewhere familiar. And I guess now all that's left is, you know, we can either rest comfortably knowing that Monsters, Inc. has come to a close and, and uh, you know, Mike and Sully are retired and Boo's grown and everyone's okay. Or maybe we get, you know, another one. And yeah. I think either way. I'd watch it. It's okay. And and, and I'd watch it. Yeah. Same. Yep. But uh, yeah, for that reason, above Bugs Life, just uh, I like the characters more, man. I get that. I do get that. And it's funnier. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Bugs Life. I got a weird soft spot for Bugs Life, but we don't have to get into that. Yeah. I don't think Bugs Life is going to stay at my second from the bottom. And I already, I have a suspicion on what's going to be my la- my least favorite, but I'm, I'm not going to say it. Let's hear it now. I'm not going to. No spoilers, Eric. Or is it foreshadowing? Any that you have a feeling right now that you might have a very different impression on now as an adult versus watching them maybe for the last time 10 years ago? Um, I'm actually very interested with Finding Nemo. Um, so next week's episode. I'm very interested to see... Because that one, like, I watched it a ton as a kid. Same. Um, but not really by choice. That was, like, where my movie as a kid that I'd always have on TV was Toy Story. My little sister's was always Finding Nemo. Was Finding Nemo, like, a big school movie for you guys? Like, uh, would that be, like, a movie they'd throw on yeah, in, like, a study hall and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, Finding Nemo was on a lot. Um, so, like, I don't know. I'm interested. I remember always loving that movie. Hmm. And then the last time I watched it, maybe like eight years ago, it's been a while, dude. I'm yep. excited. And yep. I've never seen Finding Dory, so I'm excited. I haven't either. Nice. That'll be good. Uh, but uh, Finding Nemo, I remember the last time I watched it, it was very pretty, but I remember being amazed at how loud the movie was. It is a very loud movie. Very loud movie. Very loud. A lot of sea noises. Yep. A lot of birds always, and a lot of there always seems, yelling there's always ambient noise except in a couple scenes where they cut out all the noise yes and it's weird yes pixar up until that point i felt like had relied on filling those those silent gaps with um they'd, they'd score it you know they'd have mm-hmm. um some uh, an orchestration a piece that would would fit the the mood and the tempo of the scene um, and for Finding Nemo, there's a lot of droning and yep. like a lot of just sea noises. Well, which... and I think that really helps set the scene for it, but it does. But I feel like as an adult, it might not have the same, uh, polish charm and charm. Yeah. I feel like that's another one that is pretty dark. I mean, we got Willem <laughs> Dafoe as a scarred fish in an aquarium at a dentist's <laughs> office. Pretty excited about that. <sighs> Like, it was weird looking at the cast list and be like, holy shit, these people are in it too? All right, all right. Who's Nemo's dad again? I don't remember his name. Is it name. Paul Giamatti? I don't. I'm honestly terrible with actors' names. 
I just know by the sound that they make. Well, you know what? We can find out next week because I think uh, we got our work done for the evening. Hey! We hope you all enjoyed uh, this episode of Suds Buds Presents Pints and Pixar. We talked all about Monsters University and it was a grand old time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you like our show, feel free to rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. We would greatly appreciate it. Otherwise, uh, get in touch with us on our Instagram, Suds Buds Pod. Put up or... a, a fun little graphic that I have a lot of fun making every week. Nate does a great job. He really does. Uh, goofy as hell. Salsa Dave does a great job cutting this together. Um, everything you hear on these episodes that isn't us talking, the fun little interludes and whatnot, that's all his doing. So shout out. Uh, yeah, send a nice message. We always appreciate it. Uh, other than that, happy listening and Pixar responsibly. Wait.